This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. It is my absolute thrill and honor and pleasure to have my two friends, Laura Lee Schmidt and Matt Wag with me today, two outstanding shop owners who are doing something that all shop owners should be doing, but probably are not. And so we're going to dig into that in just a second, which is your annual marketing planning. But before we do that, let me give a shout out to our sponsors at RepairPal. We're so happy to have them. Thank you, RepairPal, for sponsoring our podcast. We were RepairPal shop when we had our shop as shop owners, and we are we're part of the RepairPal certified network. You can learn more about them at repairpal.com forward slash shops. All right, here we go, friends. We're going to jump right in. So obviously, we're in the fourth quarter of the year, and people tend to start thinking about the next year. And as I was putting together some content for our Tuesday teaching that we do in our Facebook group, blogs, things like that, obviously, I want to talk about planning your marketing for the year. It's something we talk to shops about when they're interested in coming on board with us as a client. We talk to them about their marketing plan. Very often, we hear crickets. And so I knew that Matt put one together. I just suspected. Laura Lee with all of her fabulousness that she did. And so when I posted in our Facebook group, just to get an idea, a little pulse, definitely these two were mentioned in there. So I'm very grateful that they're taking some time with us today. And we're going to jump in here. Guys, we're going to talk about what got them into realizing I need to do this, how they did it, how they're sticking to it. We're going to have you learn from the pros, Laura Lee and Matt Wag. So Laura Lee is with Schmidt Auto Care in Ohio. And then we have our friend Matt Wag with Accelerated Diagnostic and Auto, and he is in Nebraska. So apparently we learned they're both all about corn, right? Both states. Fun fact. Fields and farmland. Yeah. Fields of corn. So we have so much time to plan marketing. Uh-huh. Nothing else to look at. Yeah. And it's also very cold in both of your places, right? So I'm just not even understanding of that where we are. We just have two seasons, hot and hotter. So Hot and hotter. No, it's beautiful right now. Like 60 degrees outside, 50-ish. Oh, no. Look, I'm wearing shorts. Uh, like, no. It's going to be 85 today. 85. So, yeah. And Matt's got his sweatshirt on. You're both French sweatshirts. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about weather. We're going to talk about marketing planning. By the way, I see Laura Lee... Your name on here says the policy princess. I know. I'm so embarrassed it's on there. No, that's great. Are you kidding? I love it. I think it's awesome. Miss Policy for sure. I'm going to call you that forever now. All right. Yeah, it's this is a topic. It's not necessarily that it's taboo, but how often do you run into shops that have done, they've taken the time, they've set it aside and are actually planning marketing for the upcoming year? Do you have any experiences like that? No, I don't really talk to a ton of shop owners about it, though, either. Maybe I need to more. Yeah, I guess the topic of the it's always about technician recruitment or profit or car count. I guess this isn't necessarily the hot topic that people just want to dig into. But would you say that the pressure is on when you get to the end of the year and you're looking at the next year and you're what am I doing? Yeah, I think in our area, it's tough because I don't think a lot of shops plan marketing, period. 
And you can really kind of see that. I mean, there's a lot of shops in our area. We're in the biggest part of Nebraska. I mean, there's probably 500,000 people in our area. So there's a lot of shops, but you don't see consistent anything. And I do try to look at it. I even look at what comes to my house and what I'm seeing digitally on when I'm on Facebook on my phone. But I don't really see a whole lot of people that are like doing a true plan where there's consistent tactics put forth to try to market. So how long have you both been in business? How long have you had your shops? Our shop has been open for 15 years, but I've only been a part of it for seven. I opened ours from scratch uh, in September 2020, just over three years. So we've got kind of middle of the range, 15 years is a long time. And then we have someone who just started. So I love that because no matter where these shop owners are that are listening in their journey of shop ownership, if you've only been at it a couple of years, it's not too early. It's not too late. If you've been at it 10, 15 years or even longer, now is the time. No matter where you are now is the time. So talk to our listeners. These are very often top tier shops who are listening and a lot of them still aren't doing this. So what was the realization for you? Like what happened in your shop that caused you to have the moment where you said, okay, it's time to do the thing. What brought that to the top of your awareness, Matt? With our business being so new, I wrote a business plan like going into business. So I had a projection on where I wanted to take the business and how I wanted to grow it. And part of my business plan was to build a little section of how I was going to market the business to grow it to what I wanted to do. Because when you start from scratch, you're basically relying off of the people that are in your network to bring you business. And then how do I continue to get outside business? And because when I opened, it was just me there. And my wife was working at the business part time half the day and knew that that wasn't where I wanted it to be for the long term. So to get to where I wanted it to be, you have to bring people in and I have to get out in front of people. And so I had some good things and that I wanted to do. And so for the first two years of business, it was basically just flying from the seat of the pants. And you're like, oh, I should probably do some Facebook stuff or I kind of had these things, but it wasn't planned out and like really well thought out and methodical. And so last year, it was almost a year ago right now, I was really reflecting on the last two years. I wanted to have some additional major growth in the year of 2023. And I had a pretty bad arm injury last year, which took me out of the shop. I needed to basically get somebody to fill my spot and to pick up some extra load for the business. Last year, we had three technicians on our team, not including myself. And I knew I wanted to get to a fourth technician. And I was looking at like, okay, or what months last in the year of 2022 were like slowdowns a little bit, I would consider, or hard times. And so I used some of that data to drive when I wanted to plot stuff out. And I'm like, how do I prevent some of this stuff and then also get us out in front of more people? So that was like my real goal was to let's keep us busy all year. I wanted to keep my foot on the throttle all year for marketing because I think a lot of people in our business, if they do marketing, they tend to want to do it when they're slow. It takes a lot of time for marketing to really come to fruition. So I think you really got to stay ahead of the game for it to work properly. That was what I was focusing on too, was like, let's stay ahead of the game. Let's plot out a budget, which this plan helped me budget and prioritize. And then what were the things that I wanted to accomplish? Like, how did I want to get out? That was what I really looked at. And then I just kind of drew a roadmap from it. We're going to get into what that looked like, like how you actually put it together. But it started with these slow times. It started with just seeing what others were doing and really just wanting to have consistency. What about you, Laura Lee? What was your cathartic moment of 
all right, I got to do this. Because you've been doing it. Matt said this was your first real year. But Laura Lee, you've been doing this over five years now. Well, I did this in my old job. When I worked in retail, we were consistently planning two years in advance, the marketing calendar. I was already in a habit of forecasting far in advance. So when I became a part of the shop and realized that he had no marketing, no branding, no nothing except a shop, I was like, dying on the inside, right? And so I'm trying to bring it to life like I knew it in corporate America, which was like two years forecasting out. And you can't do that in a small independent business at all because you will just bang your head against the wall because nothing works out like you think it will in, in two years. Plus, I don't have a Fortune 500 budget like I did with my old role. So there was like an infinite budget there and I don't have an infinite budget anymore. So I knew we had to tighten up and get smarter with how we grew things. So I just took a lot of the tools that I had in my old role and took some spreadsheets and some different planning tools I had and kind of scaled them down a lot to really focus on our business and what we needed and then tried to find the holes. I looked back through his financial reporting to see where there was opportunity or jeopardy months and where I could really place some money or events to make those happen. And that's just the path that I've been on ever since. I'm seven years into tracking this shop's branding and growth. And it's a new adventure every time. But now I track more like six to eight months out in advance. I can't go even really a year out. It's crazy how up and down this industry is sometimes. I think that's a smart thing to say, though, because even though we call it annual marketing planning, for us, we say all the time, done is better than perfect just get started. Even if people just start, in my mind, if you disagree, totally come at me for sure. But even if you just start with a month ahead, I'm happy to get something under your feet. Let's get that snowball rolling. And and then maybe they'll become more confident and say, okay, I'm going to do this for a quarter. Maybe I'll do it for two quarters and eventually they'll get there because it could be that here we're sitting, we're, it's October 23rd that we're recording this. And I'm encouraging people to, and we'll talk about practical steps as we get going here, but block out some time, get away from the shop and literally sit down and do it. But doing it for a whole year might be overwhelming for some people. So I always say, break it down into bite-sized chunks. And maybe that is starting with just the first quarter. So I love that you said that, Loralee, that's super practical. And here you are, you've been doing this for so many years that you're saying, and again, in corporate America, yes, they're doing two years and they've got massive budgets and and that sort of thing. But for our average shop owner, we don't have that budget. Speaking of budgets, I actually interviewed some top coaches in the industry and I have a blog coming out about this same topic from the coach's perspective. And we know what we typically recommend when it comes to budgets. And it was fun to see that what the shop owners say, and they all have about the same idea, but also a little differences or why. Tell me when it comes to budget, what are your thoughts on how to figure out what the budget should be? Either one of you have any specific thoughts you want to share with that? I think with mine, I just kind of back engineered, like reverse engineered it because you hear a lot of coaches and people say that, hey, you should be using like this percent of your sales towards your marketing. With us being so new, I didn't know what my sales were going to be exactly every month for the first two years. I knew I needed to market, but it was more of, okay, I made this much money the last couple months. I know I can put this much towards marketing. I was kind of looking at it that way. Now I've got more of a 
fixed amount percentage of my sales that I'm using. Some months I may go higher, some months I may go lower, but it seems that what I'm doing is more on, I'm seeing a return on. So put more money into my mail if I'm seeing my mail come back in. We just got into doing some TV stuff. It was kind of a, I know I'm going to spend a little bit of money a month additionally on that because I didn't want to cut money out of other spots, but now I'm going to wait like 90 days and just track and see what it does and see if my revenue increases. And we do track all this internally too. So we know the marketing source where these people are coming from. And then we know also through tracking numbers, we can try to put some of that to, to, to the paper and see where we're at. I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which if you didn't know, We'll introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal's certified network, and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops. But... The millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged. So we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to RepairPal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. So Matt, are you using a specific tracking number or some type of code or something when it comes to the TV commercials that you're doing? Yes. Okay. Because I know a lot of people, when they think of mass media, whether it's billboards, radio, TV, so many people don't want to do it because they think they can't attach an ROI, but you can. Even your direct mail, right? If there's a QR code that brings them, can track all of that stuff. Laura Lee, what do you say about budget? We start the planning at 5%. So the spreadsheet I sent you starts at 5%. We visit it every Monday, but I look at it heavily in the quarter. My hope by next year is by July, we're able to go up to like a 7 to 8% increase is what I'm really looking for. I would like it to be set around 7 to 8% to really push what I'm looking to get out of the shop. But I'm planning a little bit more conservatively for the top of the year. So I have the whole year planned out at 5% of what I'm looking to gain. Here's so many different numbers from so many different people. And typically it's, do you want to maintain the growth that you already have? Or do you want to be more aggressive? And I've heard anywhere from 5 to 15%, depending on... Getting into my money at that point. Yeah, I know. That is a big number. And most people are not doing that. Even being a new business, I think that's something too, because... Earlier this year, I was probably in that 10% range for a couple months because I know I have to put my name out in front of so much more of an audience because we haven't been around as long and I'm trying to get people to come to us that don't know about us. So we're new. So I'm trying to spend more money. Now we're probably back towards, Laura Lee said, more around five is where we're averaging 5%. Well, and when you know, like you guys both said, that your slow times those peaks, those valleys, you know when it is. So if you need to maybe reduce some budget during your busy times, you're still marketing. Don't stop marketing. You're still marketing, but you're just backing up a little bit and taking that budget and putting it in your slower times or in advance of those slower times. So for anyone out there that's listening, that is kind of the range that we hear. Obviously, they're not doing 15% if they don't have it. 
But if you have it and you're really trying to grow aggressively, that 10 to 15 below that 5 to 10 is kind of that sweet spot for just maintaining the growth that you already have. But yeah, there are definitely times when you have to increase that based on whether it's your slow time or whatever it might be. We had the most, I know people that listen to us have heard Brian and I tell this story, but we love to talk about it because it blew our minds. We could not figure out for the life of us what in the world was happening in freaking October. Like bloody hell, what we could not, nothing was changing. It took us, I want to say two or three years before it finally hit us. And do you know what it was? The state fair. The North Carolina State Fair is absolutely epic. It's happening right now. If it's not the best state fair in the entire country, I don't know what is. Here in Louisiana, I'm like, do we even have a state fair? Like, I don't even know. But in North Carolina, the world shuts down. And we honestly, I don't remember, it was probably a coach that helped us figure it out. And so we literally had an entire state fair campaign that we put together that included the most basic bottom tier of the promotion was if you brought your car to us during the state fair, we were going to shuttle you to the state fair, right? You didn't have to worry about parking. You didn't have to pay for parking. Your car was getting worked on. You're not having to think about it. And then the next tier, so if you spent this much to this much, then we shuttled you and we bought your tickets for you. So now you don't have to wait in line to get your tickets. So that was a win. People loved that. And then the top level was we shuttled you, we bought your entry tickets, and we bought your ride tickets. And those things are just insanely expensive. We had to really, you know, when you have a slow time, you well, you have a choice. You could just go with it and say, oh, this is my slow time, but that's not necessarily the smart thing to do. It's super important to know your numbers, pay attention, and look and see when are those slow times. Do y'all have any like that? Do you have any slow times that it's because of something that only has to do with you and your area maybe, or just something interesting, like you're slow because of this? We have a really weird one that I figured out, and it's in May. And May's a weird time. What we saw in 2022 was like, we had a big dip in sales. And we figured out it. And in 2021, we saw that it dipped off a little too. But people spend a ton of money on graduation parties in our area for high school, like a ton of money. And we had a lot of customers that were coming in. In 2022, we were trying to figure out like what's going on. And, and so my service advisor at the time was starting to question them. And then even this year, we started to hear it too. But they're like, oh, we and they kind of compete with each other. So we got to have the best party in the neighborhood. So these people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars. And that the demographic of customers in our, in our area that our shops located is that's what they want to do. And, and they, they spend a lot of money on that. Of course, if they're spending money on graduation parties, they're going to push the repairs off if they can. And so then we figured out this year how to try to get ahead of it. And we actually, in 2023, had a fantastic May. We didn't dip at all. I tried to set up marketing to hit in March and April really heavy. That way in May, they were starting to see these things. They had them in their hands. It was in front of them. And we had different offers we put in there as well. I tried to use more of an aggressive offer, give a lot of discounts out or free stuff very often. It's just not the model of our shop, but we tried to put some enticing specials or discounts there to get people to at least say, hey, you know, come on into us. And, and we offered some free like courtesy and like inspections of your vehicle if you were going on summer road trip that I think that stuff is just doing it earlier than getting it early. Most shops would do it. 
I wonder, did you use specific language about, hey, get ahead of the graduation rush? And did you use the language that you know is what was causing it? Or was it just... I didn't because I didn't want to like just fully assume that was everything. Just being so new, I only had a couple years of data to go off of. We just tried to be more generic with it, like spring and summer in that advertising there. and Keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yep. Crazy. Laura Lee, do you did you have any particular slow times you want to talk about? Yeah, October was like a huge pain in our side. Year after year, we would lose $8,000 consistently. And I was like, one month, we're just going to have dollars. If this continues, we know that we have to fight really hard to protect October. This is actually turning out to be the best October that we've ever had. We did a tiny tech event. And that brought a lot of people into the shop. And we had a ton of media going all around the event for all of August and September. And I think that chatter that continued on and having people in the shop was a really big win for that, for sure. The pictures were amazing. I loved it. It was good. I couldn't have, ex- it was great. Was that your first Tiny Tex event? It was. I've been trying to get this together since 2020. It's been in my like mind's eye and it's still didn't go exactly like I wanted it to go, but it will next time. But it's still in the win column because you did it. Yeah. You got some great exposure. Over 100 kids here and their parents. It was good. My workers were frazzled. It was very clear we understaffed it. Yeah, that's the thing, though. We're not going to talk about event marketing today. I think that Laura Lee, you and I have talked about maybe doing another podcast about that because she is not only is she the policy princess, but she's the event. What's an E letter? The event goddess. We'll go with that. But you can't have an event without debriefing from it. What did we learn from it? What worked well? So I love that you know, going forward, what you need to do for that. As a former school teacher, school counselor, children's museum associate director, I love that. I think it's freaking amazing. So kudos to that. All right. You know your slow time. What about the shop owners who don't know their their slow times? They just come upon them. You know, Brian is in the process of an article right now. I just uh, proofread it the other day. (laughs) I don't want to steal his thunder, but he basically is being a little cocky and going through every single month. And he was like, January is slow because of this. February is slow because of this. Mark, there's a reason for every single month. But for the shops that don't know, and then they panic, right? That's what happens. They're not prepared. They don't know. They get in on Monday morning, look at the calendar and they're like, holy crap, this is a slow week. Or what did you do? to literally intentionally figure out what are the slow times? How often are you looking at that? How are you figuring it out? You have to dedicate time. It's just part of your responsibilities as an owner. We all want to wrench. Actually, I don't want to wrench on cars. They all want to wrench on cars. I do think because there's so many shop owners who are technicians that it's not something they care about is marketing. It's not where they come from. It's not where they desire to be. And a lot of times there's just no forethought to it. Eric's marketing plan was, I'm just going to work on more cars, harder. I'm just going to work harder on more cars. Well, like, how are you going to get the cars there? You have to make sure you're intentionally setting time aside to look at your marketing, to look at your numbers, see where it's coming from, where is the traffic coming from? Because it is too late when you sit down and look at the calendar and there's nobody on the calendar. It's too late. You can't do anything in one day. You have to plan ahead and set that time. So Matt, your diagnostic guy, basically, it's changing the mindset of instead of diagnosing a problem in the car, you're diagnosing your slow time. How did you diagnose that in your shop? Like Laura Lee said, you want to 
be ahead of the game because once it gets slow, you can't go back. You can't just like right there, flip a switch and say, Hey, I'm going to do a huge blast of mail tomorrow. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Or today I need my Google ads to really produce. It just, you got to think about it with my mindset. I do like to diagnose stuff and I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good problem solver most days, not all the time, but I got tired of looking at like the year of 2021 and 2022, where we would get to those times. And I was just, oh, hey, we need to do mail. So I'm just going to call my mail guy up or, hey, I'm going to do this. It was more of a, I had no plan. And then when things would happen and I would look at the schedule, like you said, and it's like, oh, there isn't a whole lot going on this week. I really need more this week because I have another technician that's going to start. I just, I knew that the only way that I could make this feasible would be to plot it all out. And making time for it's the really hard part because most of like Laura Lee was exactly right. Most of us owners that come from a technician background, we want to fix cars. We want to be out there doing that. But I think I, I attribute a lot of this to when I did get hurt and I needed to figure out how do I keep my business going. I had to reshift my mind into being more of an owner than being out on the floor. And that's been the best thing that has happened to my business is when I got hurt and couldn't fix cars because then I had to figure out how do I keep everybody busy how do I grow the business still? And it focused me to dedicate the time into this. But you got to measure stuff. You have to know where you're, you have to look at numbers of your business and know what affects them. And where do I need to be with these numbers? And what do I want them to be? That was quite a statement you just said there. The best thing that happened to your business was when you hurt your shoulder. That's kind of mind blowing when you just stop and ponder that for a second. But it forced you out of the shop and into the operations of the business and really looking at those numbers, whether it's a spreadsheet or whatever it might be. I know that our team, so Matt is a client of ours. Yeah, so Danny meets and goes over with our report with you every single month. And it's funny to us, not funny, that's a bad word, but interesting. So we have a Slack channel and in our Slack channel, when Danny or Kendra meet with our clients, they'll come in there and say, hey, great news. So August was record breaking for so many of our clients. Absolutely amazing. And then what happens? September it goes down. It's like this ebb and flow constantly. But when, when Danny's meeting, say with you, for example, if you look and say, okay, September was slow, then Danny's going to go back and look at last year's September and compare last year's September to this September. And I think that is one key piece that people aren't doing is they get into, we're slow, this is slow and it's tragic. Or September has been slow the last four years. Really having a good idea, and it doesn't mean that you're going to accept the fact that September is slow, but when you know that September is slow, you can be proactive like you both just said, go into it, plan and prepare ahead of time for that. So knowing your budget, what you're going to spend, allocating it throughout the different months according to when you need to be more aggressive, when you need to back up and slow down a little bit. I love that. So Laura Lee, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about budgeting, you feel like you said something about some tools. Are there any other marketing tools or anything, whether it's a spreadsheet or did I hear you say that? Are there any specific tools that you can share about marketing planning? I sent you my spreadsheet. So I keep a running spreadsheet that adds everything up per month and allows me to have like a good visual snapshot. And on the back side of that spreadsheet, which you actually don't have. I keep line items of everything. $750 to the Chamber of Commerce to be the whatever sponsor. 
And then whatever note, like if you go back to reference, like my years past, it'll say, don't invest money there again, or this was great. Things like that, because I'll forget like a whole year's full of stuff. Like I really try to stay on top of those notes. So I know for the next year. Also, I don't want to do this forever. So I want to hand this over to my assistant for her to have a clear snapshot what's going on and what things should look like. So I have that tracking tool. We have several reports that we keep track of and that we pull out of our operating systems. So they have to report to me monthly on where they're seeing a good ROI or whatnot. And then I have two marketing calls with my marketing team and then with my broadcasting team. So I have those calls to make sure that I have all of their data as well. The more data you can get, the better. I stay on top of my Google Analytics and my Meta Analytics and whatever other analytics there could possibly be. So all of those things together are just the tools that we really use. My spreadsheet, I kind of stole from Estee Lauder. Please don't come to me, Estee Lauder. Then rebranded a little bit, but that was a really helpful way for me to take care of my territory that I used to work in. And it's just a good quick snapshot so you can see if you've got money to dump in or don't have money to dump in. So that's, I try to keep it organized like that. Matt, do you have any specific tools or sheet things that you use in your marketing planning? Like when you here, maybe in the next, sometime in the next quarter, when you sit down, what are you going to gather up to have with you? What I'm going to look at is we don't do, and I want to be clear too, because this sounds like it can be a lot of time for a shop owner to invest and it can be, but you also need to know your strengths and weaknesses. So I do hire out some of the stuff that I don't want to mess with that I'm not good at. That's one of the nice things is, is like I work with you guys, Kim, and I meet with Danny every month and she's done the legwork and you guys have built those ads that are going out and that doesn't take any of my time. I just pay you guys and we build it together and it's great. Everybody that I do hire stuff out to, they do give me reporting. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at all the reporting has been provided and figure out, okay, did I see that return on that that I wanted to? And I'm going to look in my shop management system too to see what was tracked because we track all that in our shop management system, lead sources. So I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at the reporting that I'm given. And then I'm also going to look at the one I manage myself as, believe it or not, we have great luck with direct mail in our area. Just fantastic luck. So I bet about half of my marketing I do is through mail. And so I'm going to go and I manage all that. So I have to go on like a, usually about a monthly basis. And I go through all my mail and track it. And I'll see if I had first time customers or if it's repeat business or what that generated. So I'm going to go look at numbers with this. And my business coach has always told me, so I do work with a coach too that helps. But if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. I have to go measure this stuff to figure out what are we going to do more of next year? Laura Lee had a great thing she brought up with taking notes about what's worked really well, what hasn't worked. And I haven't been good about taking notes, but I need to I'm going to do that next year now that you gave me great advice with that. Both said something that I want to come back to. One, you were just talking about, Laura Lee, you talked about what did not work. You invested money. You thought this it was part of your plan. You thought this is going to work. I'm going to put this together. And on the other side of it, you realize it was not valuable. So you're either going to reduce that spend or cut that spend out for the next year. So I love that. I think that it's smart to track what's working, but why would you waste money on something, time, energy, effort, thought, brain power when it's something that's not working? So even your shop software, when you're CRM, when you're asking your clients what brought them in, how they hear about you and you're checking off your BNI group, your, they were the chamber event, the tiny techs or the graduation promotion, the direct mail piece, 
is pulling out all those sources at the end of the year and seeing you're not tracking if in your mind, like you just said, Matt, I could do better at taking notes is you pull out that percentage of where everybody came from and you realize, oh, well, I did this and there's nothing attributed to that. You do have notes that you are essentially taking when it comes to that. But Matt, you said the coach, which I was was going to be my next question. So I know that you work with Bill Haas and I'm curious, Lorley, I'm not sure if you work with a coach or not, but I am curious, what are your coaches telling you about your marketing planning? Mine would like me to be a bit more aggressive, I believe. Actually, I know. Yeah, (laughs) same here. So they're obviously encouraging you to do it. Did they help advise you on the budget or what specific advice have they given you, if any? So my systems were already kind of in place before we got our coach. This is our second coach. We are with the Institute. Cecil takes care of us. Fantastic. I kind of just showed him what my marketing plan looked. And he was like, this looks great. Put in more. And I'm sure that we'll dig into that a little bit deeper. I'm sure. Matt, same thing or what? Something different? So I started working with Bill six months once I was in business. So I've been working with him almost the whole time we've been in business. And I wanted to coach early on because I don't know what I don't know. And I need somebody to show me those things and hold me accountable to do stuff. And that's Bill's a great accountability partner for me. But he's also brought ideas to the table because he knew where we were and what we needed to grow the business to. And he says, you're going to do that with marketing. So we track every week. I mean, he's given me reports to work off of. So I have a marketing report that that he's given me. And we track first-time customers and repeat customers on a weekly basis. So we're seeing what our percentage is and we have a ratio we shoot for. And then Bill also will challenge me too that, Matt, I want you, if you're going to go into doing mail, this was the scary thing for me. So when we were first looking at doing mail two years ago, he's like, you're either going to be in mail or you're not going to be in mail. He goes, if you're going to do it, you got to do it for a period of time because one time of sending postcards out isn't going to work. You might get a couple people, but you got to be in front of these people at least seven times to pour clicks to them when their car's actually broke. So you got to remember that too. And that's kind of scary because you're like, ooh, that's a lot of money and I'm going to have to do that. But here goes back to what we're talking about today with having a plan. If you have a plan, you can put a budget in place and know that, okay, every month I got to, every month I'm looking to spend this. I may have to adjust it or tweak it a little bit, but at least you've got something to go off. So Bill's helped me kind of at least get that mindset, frame of mind in place and giving me different ideas on different ways to market that I didn't normally think of. Let's not do things halfway. If you're going to do it, go all in and have a plan. No, this is what I'm going to do. We hear that when we're teaching classes, you know, very often people will say, oh, I tried whatever, Google ads for a month and they didn't work. Your Google ads are just getting really, really, really dialed in and then you're going to stop. So that's the thing we hear and we talk about all the time. Stop stopping, right? Keep going. It's not time to give up yet. So that's this great advice. I love it. So now for those who are listening, we've talked about examining, analyzing, figuring out when your slow times are. We've talked about budgeting. We've talked about pulling all the things together. So I want y'all to share, and we'll start, Lauralee, you go first, and then Matt, talk about when do you do this? Is it Q4? I know that you're monitoring it all throughout the year, but like, what does it look like to literally sit down and get it done? When are you doing it? How are you doing it? Do you get away from the shop? Are you doing it at night on the, like, just help people that want to do it. The first steps, now they've got everything together. What's next? I do mine at the top of August. I clear up July, finish it up, all the fiscal planning, 
And then I move into my marketing for 2024 because I do car care gifts. So I have to have a lot ordered ahead of time. I can't be planning January 1 for it because I'll be too late for my gifts. We start planning early because we're placing orders by October to have inventory stocked in by December. So for us, it's very like premeditated in how I do it. I'm a late night worker. I do not think, well, this call is early for me. When it comes to like numbers and creation, I need to talk at like nine o'clock at night. So for me, that's when I do a lot of that planning. And then I just bring it to my bookkeeper and whatnot team to talk about finances after that. But I do it alone. I set up the structure and then I go through the approvals with everybody else to see if they like the ideas and whatnot. But I start in August. It's wrapped up by the end of August. And that makes sense. I mean, whether it's August or March or December, like there is a specific time of the the year that you have found this is what works for me. You block out the time, you sit down, you get it done. And I apologize because I just learned that I should ask people. I was a teacher. I know to teach to the learner, the style. If you're not a morning person, we should have done this a little later. No, I am a morning person. Like I like the morning, but I like it to have coffee and listen to bird, not do marketing planning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Matt, what about you? So last year was the first time we did it. This calendar year we're currently in. And again, I did it more last minute. So I did it in December. And the way I did it was I... I just had free time. Well, at the time, my, my arm was broke, so I was sitting at the desk a lot. So I had that time available to do it. But I think you need to find the time that works best for you. But you do need to sit down and have time, unbothered time, I feel, to really think this through. Because this isn't naturally something to come to most people in the automotive business is marketing. So I think the more focus you can get and the better thoughts you can put down. This year, what I'm doing is I, I'm still waiting last minute to do it, but I'm going to start in November with mine. So here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start planning out the next year. But in my mind, I'm going to take my plan I've made for this year and keep after it. And I'm just going to tweak stuff. So I already really have a roadmap for next year, but I'm going to just go fine tune it now. I figure my first year of doing it last year took a lot of time and work. And mine isn't the most extravagant thing either. I mean, it's a plan, but it's not a ton of stuff. But It worked good. I know what I got to change for next year, what didn't work this year. You do modify it as it's just a plan. And that's the way you got to look at it. It won't be perfect, but it's better than nothing. Well, the key is, Matt, you got started and you're perfecting it this year and you're refining it and you're tweaking it and you're not waiting till December. We're already talking about it. That is the thing. I think people are often so afraid to just get started. But once you just get started, things start clicking you may back up and tweak something, but if what was the feeling that you had? I know what it was because I remember my team talks about, oh, Matt and his plan. What was that feeling when you finished it? I was excited. I felt really good. I felt hugely accomplished for doing something that was totally new to me. And I've kind of taken a real liking to marketing. And I always joke every time I'm on the phone with Danny or JR with Kim and I'm if my shop ever goes downhill, I said, I'm going to come work for you guys because I do thoroughly enjoy it now that I've gotten into it more. But it's a huge sense of satisfaction for me to like know that I have a like a weekly map I've built out that knows that tells me, hey, Tuesday, you got to do this. Wednesday, you got to do this. And that's what works for me is I got to just be real detail oriented. But I've got a, my October map here that tells me, Matt, this week, you got to do this on Tuesday guy that's got an anniversary tomorrow. And I still do my social media. I got a Facebook post tomorrow that 
And I've already planned that out way earlier this year. So now it's not last minute coming to the table like, hey, I know I needed to make a Facebook post today, but I don't know what it's going to be. Now I can plan this stuff out. It, it works really good. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. It was, it's also like you have a plan. So now those salespeople that walk in the door, at least for us, when we had our shop, it's the new magazine in town or it's the new whatever thing. And even though... I remember this one guy, it was only $300. If I'm brand new, $300 is a big deal. There may be other times when $300 is a big deal, but it wasn't that it was a lot or that it was a little. It was that it's not in my plan. And when they just come in and they're so good at their sales pitch and they're telling you how great it's going to be and audience is your audience and blah, 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 all this stuff. And it's so brilliant. The thing is, it gave me the verbiage that I needed to be able to say no. I was able to say, hey, I'm happy to consider this when I'm doing my marketing planning for next year, but it is not in our budget. Like we've already laid out what's in our budget and I'm really sorry. I appreciate you've stopped in, but we're not gonna go with it this time. I will make a note of it and we'll look at it for next year. So I didn't have that pressure of saying yes to every marketing sales pitch that came in from whoever it was. We had, a, we had a system, we had a plan, we had a process to make those decisions. Now, don't get me wrong, we definitely had, and I'm reading a book right now and I wish I could remember the name of what they call it. But anyway, you have a little bit of wiggle budget for those things that come up. You have the language to be able to say, it's not gonna work right now. We did our budget in, you know, whatever, a year ago, or and it's just not gonna work. So I love that the plan gives you the boundaries that you need to be able to say yes if you want to or say no if you need to. I mean, we're a marketing agency and we've even had our own struggles with planning for our own marketing. Every year we know what we're doing, we're, but to really like truly have something that we're super proud of what the plan looks like, we've had it for years, but this year we are going, like you said, all in super intentional. I'm flying some of our, all of our team members aren't here in Louisiana. I'm flying Loretta in from Pennsylvania. We're going to have a full in the office together. Me, Brian, Caroline, Haley, Michelle, and Loretta are coming together. But to make sure that that day is super productive and we leave the day having accomplished everything, we're doing what we're talking about here. We call it eat your own dog food. We're telling people here's, so we're doing that as well. And I'm looking at our, our planning prep document that I've already sent out to those team members. And I've told them come to the meeting with this stuff already in place. Do the homework, do the work, bring it. And so we're starting out with a reminder. We're an EOS company. So we're starting out with a reminder of our core focus, our 10-year target, our, which is, the 10-year target is a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal, right? It's like the big dream kind of thing, right? So it's not like we're, you know what I mean? You were saying, I'm really looking at six, seven, eight months out. So that's what that is. Then our reminding us who our target market is, like it's laid out specifically, this is our audience. This is who we're putting our message in front of. The three uniques, what's unique about us so that we include that in our messaging, what our process is, our promise. And then we've gone into 
the specific needs each department needs to bring with them as far as ideas, conferences, sponsorships, partnerships to consider what worked last year, what didn't work last year, and then even a SWOT analysis, right? Your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, looking at, don't forget the threats, right? Is there a new shop coming in? Is there some um, big change in the industry happening? Like what's threatening the progress or the success of your shop this coming year? So those are just some of the things to think about when you're coming together. So we've been going at this for a while and I think that we could keep going, but I do want to start bringing it to the end. So now we've helped shop owners understand all the things that they need to bring together to get out of their shop, get out of the distractions, sit down, and maybe you're more of a digital person. So you have a Google Doc or a spreadsheet. Maybe you are paper and pencil. Maybe you start paper and pencil and you transition it there, whatever works for you. I want to know from you, Laura Lee, and from Matt, what would you do differently? What didn't work? Any of that kind of stuff that you can share that would help those who are listening. Matt, let's start with you this time. I think what didn't work for me is I had, when I wrote this, I think only about 75% of it I was able to do on my own. And, and some of that was just because we are such a new business. We've had a lot of growing pains. I think it's easy to put a plan together. Not that it's easy, but it, when you have the plan in front of you, it gives you a roadmap that you should be able to follow, but don't like beat yourself up if it doesn't work. What I realized by having a plan is that I still didn't have enough time myself to implement a lot of these things that I wanted to do. So now I have to look at, okay, are the things that I wanted to implement that didn't get done, do I feel they're still of great value? How do I get them done now? Because I know that I'm going to have to hire some of that stuff out to other people if I want to do it. Because I know I don't have enough time in the day. I have a family at home and kids and I like to do stuff outside of work. I don't want to work all day. So that was kind of the hardest thing for me was that I don't think I put a ton of stuff on my plan, but I couldn't do all of it even with what I had there. So I got to get that good intention. You had good intentions, though. You're like, I, I want to try this and that you put it in there. But now, you know, and God didn't make us all to be able to do everything. So we're going to run up against roadblocks, whether it's budget roadblocks or time or talent. And we have to outsource some things. And we're the same way. There are areas in our business where that's just not our talent. And I can spend the time and train myself but is that where I really want to spend my time? Is it really smart? That's a great takeaway. I appreciate that. Thank you. Morley, what about you? So I think along this marketing journey, one of the things is learning that not every vendor was my vendor. Not everything I had to say yes to. And there were a couple of things that did yield me a good return on investment, but the ethics behind how it went on were something that we won't align our business with again. So taking a stance and knowing where you want to place your value, we now come together as a team and talk about what values do we want to put our stuff in? Like we have veterans here, so we know we want to deal with veterans. We know we want to deal with children and hunger and education. These are two places we feel very that we have a lot of value. But we had run across some scenarios that also aligned with those, but behind the scenes were very unethical. Sometimes just because it looks good or might give you a good RO, maybe that's not where you want to place your name. And that was a huge learning point for us during 2020 when everybody was trying to do everything. I love that. And we bring it back to our core values. It's our shield. And 
it's funny how that happened. That's literally what our core, it's S-H-I-E-L-D, Synergy, Happiness, Integrity, Expansion, Leadership, and Dedication. And we didn't intend for it to end up spelling out like shield. It's kind of a funny story how that happened. Just all serendipity, I guess. Your core values are there to protect you. And so that's what our core values do. Our shield protects us. And it's how we hire, fire, recognize, and reward. And that's not just our employees. Like you said, it's our clients, but it's also our vendors. Who do we want to align ourselves with? We're very particular about that. And you should be as well, because just for us in the industry, there are things we want to align ourselves with. There are things we don't, but you're the same way in your community. So that's a great thing for shop owners to really think about is who do you want your name to be associated with, whether it's a nonprofit organization, the chamber, the BNI, whatever, whatever it might be. That's awesome. So wrapping up here, I'm just curious, is there anything left unsaid that shop owners either that are not marketing planning or maybe they are, but they just need to get better at it or tweak it. Is there anything we've left unsaid, like kind of the last word, anything that you want to toss out there? Just set an hour aside, a week to look at it. Don't think it has to be a whole day if it feels overwhelming, but get started somewhere. Dedicate an hour, that's all. And if you're stuck, you can call me or text me. And I will be putting a link to their website in the show notes. I'm also hoping Laura Lee mentioned the budget spreadsheet that she had. So I'm going to try to link that down here as well. Anything else that they have that they want to share, I'll put that in the show notes section. Matt, anything left unsaid? I think the, the biggest thing, like Laura Lee said, just jump into it, give it a try. And and I bet if you do devote time to it and dedicate time to it, you're going to see a return on it. I guarantee it. Well, you guys, thank you so much. I really, really hope that our listeners have taken some inspiration away from this, maybe some practical ideas, some encouragement just to plug it into the calendar, get started. Maybe the first thing for you to do is just to put something on your calendar to gather the tools, the data, the information, just something to get started, check a box so that you can feel better about what you're doing and and just keep moving forward. So really appreciate your time today. Awesome. I love it. And I just want to also thank you, our listeners, for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on the Aftermarket Radio Network. There are some other great shows on the network and you can find them at aftermarketradionetwork.com or on your favorite podcast listening apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. As always, don't forget to go join our Facebook group, the Auto Repair Marketing Mastermind on Facebook. Lots of great conversations are happening in there, all marketing, all auto repair. And as always, if you have questions that you would like us to answer, whether it's in a class, in a blog, on a podcast, just shoot that over to us at podcast at shopmarketingpros.com. Tune in for another episode next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.